What's up, everybody? Welcome to Genesis, and welcome to part two of our series called Mountain Time. This is a series called Prayer, about prayer, uh, that Mike opened up and kicked off for us last week and did a tremendous job looking at a prayer of Job, and uh, really uh, uh, a message that, that challenges us uh, to, to pray on another level. And uh, uh, we're going to have that up on our podcast soon, but uh, speaking of mountain time, anybody ever climbed a mountain before? I'm not talking about Mount Pleasant. That doesn't count. There's not even a mountain there. I think the highest point in Mount Pleasant is a bridge. Um, but like a real mountain, or anybody ever been on mountain time? Been the mountain range, the Rocky Mountains, been in Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, all those good places, mountain time. I love that part of the country. Um, in life, we've got mountaintops and we've got valleys. Mountaintops are high points, obviously, and valleys are low points. And if you've ever been through a low point, maybe some of you are even going through a low point now, and it seems like uh, we've been praying and fasting as a church and um, we've been really pressing into God at the beginning of this year, but it seems like there's all kinds of things that are happening, these attacks and things that are happening to our families. And it's been, uh, it's been a difficult time, but it's been a powerful time. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're in a valley right now. My wife, Christina, and I went through a very low point a few years ago. We had um, three daughters of our own, and... We were leading a youth ministry that was an inner city youth ministry because we're so inner city, right? Just kidding. But for some reason, God has a sense of humor about these things, and he always puts us in positions that really stretch us and really challenge us. We were inner city youth pastors, and we uh, sent buses out all over to the ghettos, the the project housing, the low-income government-subsidized housing. We picked up kids from the worst neighborhoods of our city, and we brought them in for a Thursday night service. And we just loved them. We fed them every single week. We uh, preached the word of God to them. Many of them were saved and changed. And it was an awesome time. There was a, there was a girl who was 14, and she got pregnant. And she had this little girl, this little daughter. And then she got in trouble with the law. She got arrested in the state, threatened to take her daughter away from her. And so... She said, would you take my daughter, and she can be your foster child, and you can take care of her until I can uh, get out of this mess, and then I'll take her again. And so we, we said, yes, we'll do that. And so we took this little girl in. Her name is Kyra, and she's the sweetest little girl. And we, uh, she was like a part of the family. She was like our daughter. She called me daddy, and she called Christina mommy, and she lived with us for a while, for a long time. And Eventually, um, her mom got into some more trouble, and the state said, you've permanently lost your rights to your child, and you'll never be able to get her back, and she's going to have to be adopted by another family. She could be adopted by the family that she's with, or if they don't choose to adopt her, another family will adopt her. And so Christina and I, we had this decision to make, and so we just, uh, what can you do? You pray. And you say, God, is this my daughter? Is this, is this what you've called us to do, is to raise this girl as our own? Or should, should we be the ones to adopt her? And there was a big part of us that wanted to adopt her because we love her so much. But we just felt like the Lord was saying, no, 
She is somebody else's daughter. And that was a gut-wrenching decision that we had to make, but we made it, and we did what we felt like the Lord had called us to do. But you're never prepared for that day that, that happens when the, the parents that are going to adopt her, when they come to your house to pick her up. And you have her things, and you have her belongings, and you, you meet them, and they're nice people. But then it comes time when they have to leave, and they're going to leave with her. And that was so hard. Uh, our hearts were ripped out. Um, great couple, but she didn't know them. And so she's crying, and they're, she's screaming to the top of her lungs, not wanting to get in this car and drive away with these complete strangers. And you understand that, you know, and she's, she's yelling, mommy, mommy, mommy. She's talking to my wife and, and uh, this guy, and I know that he didn't mean anything bad by it and he just didn't understand the situation, but he just says, you have a new mommy now. And he, he kind of puts her, shifts her in the car and he shuts the door. And I'm just, I, I was up there close trying to help. My wife was back a little bit and I'm just praying that she didn't hear him say that because that's hard to hear. And so that was, that was a low point, and that was just, uh, we had, our hearts were completely shattered, completely broken. So what, what do you do? You pray. You cling to God as tight as you can, and you don't let go. And it's the, it's the, the mountain prayer that gets you through the valley pain. You need to meet with God on the mountaintop, like so many men and women of God have done. To meet with God, that mountain prayer, it gets you through the valley pain. So let's talk about mountains for a second. In Scripture, <clears throat> we, uh, we, we read about numerous stories of uh, encounters of God Counters that people had with God on mountaintops. Now, Noah and his family, they landed, the ark landed on Mount Ararat, however you say that, Ararat. It landed on top of that mountain, and God spoke to Noah, and he said, I'm going to make a covenant with man. I'm never going to do this again. And he gave him a rainbow as a sign of his covenant. And then uh, God spoke to uh, Abraham on, uh, on Mount uh, Moriah, and they had an encounter with God there where God saved Abraham's son, Isaac, God appeared to Moses in the form of a burning bush uh, on top of Mount Horeb. Uh, Jesus preached his longest recorded sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, by the way, it was only like 12 to 15 minutes. Everybody said amen to that. Um, <clears throat> but it happened on, on a mountaintop. Now, Jerusalem is a city that's about 2,500 feet above sea level. And it's, so it's in a mountain range. It's a high city. Uh, we're at zero <laughs> feet above sea level, right? But it's 2,500 feet above sea level, and there are several mountains right around Jerusalem. <clears throat> and on one of those mountains was a place called Calvary or Golgotha, outside of the city walls. And that is where Jesus carried his cross and that is where that he died on that cross and was crucified. And because of that sacrifice, we no longer have to meet with, the God, meet with God on the mountaintop or the temple or any kind of other holy place. Because when Jesus died on that cross, 
the veil in the temple was torn into two. And that's where the Spirit of God was. And so the Holy Spirit is unleashed and available to all of us. So we can have mountain time without ever having to go to a mountain because God is here and God is with us. And we can have those encounters of God like the the men and women of old did. And so uh, have have you ever... uh, have you ever been in that place where you're like, oh man, I'm in a valley. I'm in a valley and I need some mountain time. We've all been there. Here's the thing about uh, mountain time. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And when we have a, when we have a different perspective about prayer, our prayers change. right? When our perspective changes, our prayer changes. Sometimes, anybody ever struggle with prayer? Anybody ever... Think, okay, it's 2018, it's a brand new year. This year, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to pray more earnestly. I'm going to spend more time praying. I'm going to really dig in to prayer this year. Anybody ever deal with that? Anybody ever say that at the beginning of the year? How about, why why do we struggle with prayer sometimes? Our flesh does not want to pray, does it? In fact, I think uh, Mike talked about this story last week of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is when he needed his disciples the most. And he needed them to pray. And he said, would you guys pray with me for an hour? I'm going to go over here by myself and I'm going to pray. And he does that and he comes back and he finds them sleeping. They, he needed them the most at that moment. You would think like that was the one moment that they would step up, but they were sleeping. And he says, couldn't you pray with me for one hour? He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I can identify with that. I, I feel bad for those guys. I could just imagine what it's like to have Jesus walk up on you and like, I'm sorry, I'm so sleepy. You know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I have a weak flesh. Do you have a weak flesh? There are certain things that, that we're really weak to. Somebody, I mean, it's chocolate. Some, somebody else, it's, it's uh, shopping and spending too much money. Uh, somebody else is just laziness, like they don't want to do anything. But, uh, but our flesh doesn't want to pray. But we need a perspective change. Because when it's time to do something that we love, we have energy to do it. It doesn't matter how little sleep we've got or how much we've got to do. When we get a chance to do something that we love, we get all this energy. We get pumped up and we get excited. Like, hey, do you guys want to come with us? And we're going to do this. It's going to be incredible because we have a perspective about it. Well, oh, I know I enjoy that. So we've got to change our perspective because when our perspective changes, our prayers change. Now, Jesus talked very, very candidly in the Sermon on the Mount. He talked about prayer. And this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. And this is what he said. When you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is really convicting because I have to ask myself, how many times do I heap up empty phrases? How many times do I go through the motions of prayer and just kind of regurgitate all the prayers that I've always prayed? You know, do you have like a prayer template in your head? Like, okay, well, I got this thing that I run through, and here's how I start. 
my prayer, and here's the middle of my prayer, and here's the main thing that I ask God for, and this is how I wrap up my prayer. Like, we all have a prayer template, and I, what, what we need to do is we need to mix things up a little bit. We need to take that template and just smash it. Because although it's a good template, not a bad template, but there's more. There's something deeper, and I believe that in 2018 that God wants to do something fresh. So we're going to smash up that template. How often do I ramble on and on? And I, and I, I can pray without even thinking. Can you guys do that? And I'm just like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It might be worship time. It might be prayer time. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, thank you so much. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Thank you for my family. Thank you. What if somebody came up to you and they were just like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. They'd be like, what's wrong with this person? Thank me and then move on. What, what are you even thanking me for? Especially if they use that tone, that mindless, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. You're like, what, what's up with this person? Are you really thankful? Where's the passion? What are you even talking about? Let's get specific here, you know? And sometimes we just kind of ramble on and go through those motions, but uh, we need to rethink the language that we use in prayer. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe that we have to be very formal. I don't think that God is looking for formality. I don't think that God is looking for anybody that has a PhD and that has just a great vocabulary. I don't think that's what he's looking for, but I believe that God is looking for authenticity. He's looking for some fresh prayer this year, some authentic and some genuine, heartfelt prayer. The earnest prayer of a righteous man avails much, is what the scripture says. So you know who in scripture did not go through the motions? You know who had really, really fresh prayers? David. King David. He wrote most of the Psalms, and that's throughout each week of this series, we're going to look at one prayer, and last week Mike looked at a prayer of Job, and this week I want to look at a famous prayer of David's, and it's one that, that you all know. And oddly enough, it doesn't have anything to do with a mountain, but it actually talks about a valley. It talks about the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 23. I'm going to read it to you, but I want you to listen to it like you haven't heard it before. Because you've, had, you've heard it. But <clears throat> I want you to just kind of read it with some new ears. Listen to it with new ears. Read it with new eyes. And pay attention to the descriptive and poetic and colorful language that David uses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When you read that, when you hear that, can you see a shepherd with his sheep. Can you see that? Can you see a picture of that? Or can you see the green pastures? And can you picture yourself lying down in a green pasture beside still waters? Can you imagine the, this shepherd, the good shepherd, restoring your soul? I love the language that David uses, and I want to use some of the language that he uses. And I want, I, want, I want to be like that. I want to put that much energy into my prayer life. 
And I want to challenge you to do the same thing. Um, what word would you use to best describe this passage? For me, it would be refreshing. This is so refreshing. Green pastures, still waters. It's really, really refreshing. Maybe you might think of peace or rest. But why would we avoid prayer when we could get some of what David got? Green pastures and still waters and the restoration of our soul. That sounds pretty good to me, but why does my flesh not want to pray if that's what I can get? And you might think, well, is this a prayer? Because he's really talking about God. Well, talking about God is good. Talking with God is even better. And for David, what starts as a declaration ends in a prayer because this is how he goes through it next. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Then it becomes a prayer because he's not talking about God anymore. He's talking to God. He's talking with God. For you are with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Before our foster daughter left, before that whole thing happened, uh, I had planned this vacation for Christina and I. And we hadn't gone on a vacation in a long time ago, uh, in a long time. And we certainly hadn't gone on a vacation, just the two of us. And so I'd already had this planned, and it just so happened that it worked like right after Kyra left. So it was a good time to go and to get away because we were really hurting. <coughs> and we were really going through a lot of pain. But I had this trip scheduled to California. It's the coolest vacation ever because we flew into San Francisco and we rented a car and we just drove around San Francisco and then we just drove up the Pacific Coast Highway, Highway 1, and just right on the ocean in these most beautiful cliffs that you've ever seen in this blue water and this amazing cool breeze in the summertime when it's like 100 degrees everywhere else. It's like 70 degrees there. And talk about green pastures and still waters. And talk about God restoring our soul. Like that's what happened because the two of us are just driving through the hills of California and we're praying together and we're talking about life and we're processing the pain that we have just recently been through. And we're listening to audiobook and talking about life and talking about the future and where are we going to go from here and God was speaking to us, and God was using each other. We were encouraging each other, and it was just so healthy. And he was restoring our soul. And so a passage like this really comes to life for us. We, uh, we camped in the redwood forest under the huge redwood trees. We drove up to Washington State. We camped on Mount Rainier, incredible, beautiful mountain, Green pastures, still waters. The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord really is our shepherd. Can you, th- can you see that? Do you know that the Lord is your shepherd? When you have that kind of perspective, it changes the way that you pray. It really does. He is your shepherd. You're not a sheep. You're not, uh, you're, you're not a sheep. You're, you're like a sheep, but you're, you're not a sheep. You're a person, right? But he's not... Like a shepherd, he is a shepherd. 
and he shepherds us like he would a sheep or even better, right? He protects us. He guards us. He uh, leads us to green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He is that for us. And so when we go to pray, it's just kind of like sitting back and just resting in his presence and talking to him. And let's learn to talk like David talked. Let's learn to be a little bit more poetic. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He fills up our cup, and it overflows. He is more than enough. Goodness, mercy, this is a spirit-led prayer. And so this is my challenge for you, not just this month, but this year. Let's pray spirit-led prayers. Let's throw away the template, and let's make a new template, uh, Let's make a new template every single prayer. Let's pray powerful, poetic, spirit-led prayers. When we pray, what kind of language do we use? What kind of language do you want to use this year? Let's change it. Let's avoid cliches. It's not that they're bad. It's not that God is mad or we're going to be sinners or anything like that. But we say the same things all the time. And when was the last time that you just said, God, you are so beautiful? Because I say, God, you're so good. I say that all the time. It's part of my template, right? But when was the last time I said, God, God, you're so beautiful to me? Your loving kindness. Man, my cup overflows. And I want to start praying scripture because David wrote it so great. I want to pray it. But there's even, there's new prayers to pray. There's new poems to write. There's new songs to write, new songs to sing. God will give you a new song. I want to invite Carly to come up, and we're going to sing a new song, and we're going to pray, uh, pray a new prayer tonight. Now, you, you might be thinking, I'm not much of a poet, and I don't want to do that because that's not who I am. That's not the way that I talk to people. I hear you, and I agree That's not the way that you talk to people. But this is the way that you talk to God. We talk to God different than we talk to people. And it doesn't mean that we have to use a great vocabulary. It doesn't mean we have to be very formal. But we can talk to God in a very romantic way. And our relationship with Him is going to go deeper when we do that. I have a friend who is a romantic. And I went to Bible college with him. And he is just, he wears his emotions out on his sleeve. He's full of a passion, full of emotion. I remember in a, we were in a prayer circle one time, and he's praying, and he says, God, God, your, your love is insurmountable. And everybody just giggled in, in the prayer, you know? And it was kind of funny because who talks like that? He talks like that. And he wanted to tell God how he really felt. And even though everybody else kind of thought it was funny, a little bit weird, that guy to this day, he's the closest guy to God that I know. Like, I I look up to him in the relationship that he has with the Lord. And so, I'm preaching to myself tonight, and I'm preaching to you. I want to challenge you uh, 
to, to be a romantic because deep inside of each and every one of us, there's a romantic. And I want to challenge you to express yourself in a romantic and passionate and authentic and genuine way to the Lord in prayer because I believe it's going to change the way that we pray. Would you stand up on your feet? Let's just close our eyes. Don't be thinking about really anything else except for the Lord right now. Just put aside any stress or anxiety. In fact, you can cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. And uh, Carly, just let's just uh, let's just flow with what God wants to do tonight. I want to challenge you uh, as Carly prays and as she sings and as I pray. I want I want you guys to pray and pray a new prayer and sing a new song and let it just let it be spirit led. Let it come out like the Bible says, like rivers of living water. Let it just flow like that, but. Drop your inhibitions. Drop your fears. Don't be thinking about anybody else. Just get alone with God right now, and let's just talk to him and be authentic before him.